Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. If Rutgers Twitter thanks us for bringing back football after Friday's game and then deletes it, I'm just going to lose it. <laughs> yeah, well, Honky, I thought you were losing it on Saturday, so I'm glad I have you uh, in front of the computer screen here on, on Monday night. Also with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? If you're wondering how I used my Saturday after the game to vent my frustrations, well, I learned how to rebuild a carburetor on my uh, Toro snowblower. So, rebuild's a strong word. Uh, cleaning might be more accurate, but fixing is definitely accurate. I finished up the uh, the whole project on, on Saturday afternoon. The garage smells a lot like gas, but my wife's getting the, uh, used to it. Good, so. good. <laughs> Sounds very manly of you, Matt. It felt manly. Impressive. You know, YouTube's a heck of a yeah. deal. <laughs> also with Boomer. Well, I'd just like to apologize to any of our listeners uh, right away if this podcast sounds a little off-kilter and disjointed. I don't really know how to explain it. We had the best weekend of podcast <laughs> practice that we can recall, so um, we'll just keep working at it. Well, it's true, Boomer, but Saturdays are rough for the, the Redcast, and uh, last Saturday I felt like uh, we were going to lose Honky entirely at some point. Uh, he had a had a rough um, <laughs> post-game uh, interaction, I think he he just was struggling with um, uh, another loss in the sanity, uh, the history of the red cast. We can't seem to find wins, and uh, another one that felt like was there for the taking a honk, but um, it was not to be. You know, it's it's interesting. Two things can be true at the same time, and I'll hear someone sit there and say, you know, this is no different than three years ago. We're no better. The this is just as bad football. I'm like, no, it's not. This is clearly better than three years ago. I mean, this is not the same loss to Minnesota that we had in the last season of Riley where literally from play one, we just didn't even look like we wanted to be on the field and we couldn't physically compete because we weren't strong year. enough. This isn't that. But at the same token, this may have been the, the lowest point for me as a fan that I can recall where I just – because of all the things surrounding it being frost and, and all the positives and all the things that we really do see going on off the field, we love the walk-on program getting built up. We love the strength and conditioning. We love the recruiting the in-state kids, and we're going to see that in a couple of days here with signing day. We're going to see a lot of in-state Nebraska kids in there and going into Iowa and getting those kids. I mean, all those things are so positive. So to see yet another befuddling, crazy bad loss like this to a team that it gets a little overplayed how oh they had 30 guys they didn't have out there that drives me a little nuts you have 100 players on your team in college anyway so if you're missing 33 you still got 70 or so of them out there it depends on who you're missing and they had their quarterback and they had their running back they did have a, a lineman or two missing but they still had some pretty key parts of it but that's beyond the point we i i don't know what it is and and i i 
tweeted out right after the game that I don't think that we need to make drastic changes, but things have to change drastically. And Ooh, and there's I like something that you turn a phrase there. Well, it's we don't need to start over. So if, if someone's listening to this expecting us to be chanting, you know, fire frost, you're not going to hear it. That's not what's needed. But I'm not saying that some changes aren't needed. I just, I can't sit here and tell you what they all need to be yet. That's fair, Honk. I mean, it is hard to put your finger on what what the problem or problems are. You know, Mac, as a, as a fan base, I, I feel like this loss is really stressing us out. At some point, it feels like it's going to break almost, you know, there's a lot of carburetors getting fixed on Saturday <laughs> afternoons right. um, yeah. th- this year and the last several years. When we were kids, it only happened once or twice a year and it was usually the Oklahoma game. Right. And so, yep. um, you know, how, how do you, what's your, your read on the, on the fan base right now and where we're at? I guess the positive side is it, it's good that the fan base still gets upset. You know, that, I like that part about it. And it shows the passion of Husker, nation that we still get upset about these things because frankly it's been a little rinse and repeat on some of these losses it's it's a frustrating game it's a frustrating game plan personnel packages you know are kind of head scratchers we do enough to to lose a game but we also do enough to be in the game and and at the end of the day we're we we lose by a possession and um, it gets old it gets tiring but honk i'm with you I can obviously see – I feel like Frost in his press conferences when he goes, you know, we're close, we're very close, I can see things in practice, this and that. And, and I and I see those things as well. I'm just tired of seeing them in press conferences. I'm tired of hearing about the words. I'd really like to see us manifest in some wins. And you know, until it does, I guess we're just stuck in this sort of college football purgatory <laughs> where we're atoning for some sins that we don't even know about yet. I mean – I guess we're just going to have to take our lumps. I don't know when this is going to change. I do believe we do have talent on this team. I do believe we've got the right coaches in place, you know, save maybe a couple. And I get the arguments on that. But the last thing I'm willing to do right now is is hit the the reset button on any of this. I, I just we, – we have made improvements in a lot of key areas that – if if we're within a possession now, well then that's already an improvement now in some of the some of the years past and some of the regimes mm-hmm. past of that we've dealt with. So, I mean, hold the fort, do you what you can, fix the carburetor, you know, you know, learn a skill. <laughs> I mean, I, I hear I hear leather working well, is satisfying. Well, Dave, I think one thing that's interesting is we've obviously, as you can imagine, we've got some feedback since the game on Saturday on social media through our Go Big Redcast Gmail inbox and. We've gotten some positive feedback, and I appreciate those people because, by the way, this is a hard show to keep doing. We're seniors right now. We've done this. This is our fourth year. We we literally, as a podcast, we've gone through. I think through, Mac redshirted one year. I'm not for certain. Yeah, Mac redshirted, so he'll be back next year, right? But, look, I mean, we're, we've gone through a four-year cycle, and we've we've seen personally 15 games. So this is hard to keep coming back we and doing. We know exactly what JoJo Doman feels like. We do. <laughs> it's really difficult. And so when we've received some of this positive feedback, I, I really do appreciate that from those people. And thank you, Redcasters, that have, that have sent that because – it, it, honestly, Dave's not lying. I lost it on Saturday. I was concerned, Honky. I asked Boomer to check on you. Actually. Yeah, we're just glad there aren't a lot of tall buildings in Roca. So that that could have ended. Poorly that was the everybody. best text of the day. The best text of the day was Dave going, "I'm glad there's not tall buildings in Roca," which actually there is. I mean, we it's have we have an elevator. I mean, I, I was apt to maybe climb it at that point. But how was the view from there, Honk? <laughs> it was. You know, I could see my house, but you know. It's the other people that weren't positive, the, the ones that are very upset. I want to talk about a word apathy just for a second. 
And first off, I want to give the definition so people understand what apathy means. It's an absence of emotion and passion and excitement. So what I'll say is if you are texting us or tweeting at us or emailing us in all caps and with 15 (laughs) exclamation points about how we need to fire this guy and this guy and this guy because I'm apathetic, you're not. You're, You're really upset. And that's okay. I was really upset on Saturday. Yeah. I The same people that were, <laughs> we had people tweeting us going, you guys should do a rapid reaction. I'm like, Dave, how would that rapid reaction have sounded? <laughs> but in all caps. <laughs> Does Hernet have a rule about if we can slip into expletives or not? I mean, are, are, we, are we bound by anything? Well, you have to use that cuckoo sound that they used in like 80s sitcoms and stuff. The point is, I'm not seeing any apathy, folks. This is, that's not the problem right now. The problem is we need to get some wins. We needed it before the Purdue game, and we said how important it was just to win that game, and it was, and we get some good feelings. I, I don't have any more answers than that, Dave, but let's start from there is that people still care. It still hurts when these these losses happen, and we're better than we were three years ago, but something needs to be tweaked, and it doesn't need to be overhauled. We don't need to take the carburetor out and just completely you know destroy the machine. But what do we need to do to take the positives? I didn't we, destroy the machine. I know. but I fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it really, it, it, to me, it starts with the offense. The offense seems to be where we've had the biggest regression this year. The defense has really had the positive. I think we're better across the board on the defense. But the offense has taken a step back. And, and Frost, he's in charge well, of everything, but he's specifically in charge of that. Where do we go with it? Yeah, well, I'm sure... It feels like the coaching staff needs to be asking that in the off season because there's no clear identity to the offense right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and we can disagree. Fans can disagree on whether we need to run the ball more. We need to, um, you know, have the big plays, the chunk plays, whatever. There's tons of different ways you could try to solve this offense, but it clearly doesn't have an identity right now. It struggles to move the ball um, efficiently. Let's put it that way. You know, I was running the numbers down before you guys joined the call with. With Boomer, it's a mystery to me sometimes how we, 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 Adrian went 14 of 17 to the point in the, the third quarter where we missed the field goal. Um, that, that incomplete third and four where it gets knocked down, that's his fourth incomplete pass of the day. Um, at least two of the incomplete passes before then were deep balls along the sideline to Oliver Martin and to, uh, Wandell that he just overthrew. But besides yeah. that, Adrian hit a lot of passes, actually. So I, I, all this conversation I hear about the wind and why we're throwing the ball and et cetera, et cetera. Well, it was mostly a short, controlled passing game that got him 14 of 17 for 92 yards. That's not a lot of yards, but a, that's a lot of completions. And I'm asking myself, yeah, maybe we should have run the ball from the get-go. You're right. But it wasn't like the 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 passing game wasn't working. We, we were completing passes. We just aren't scoring points right um and uh, efficiently so there's a lot of challenges to the offense when you don't get big chunk plays um and and that's where we're at right now and that's where we need to to figure out um what we're doing next year yeah if i'm frost and i'm trying to do a kind of a season in review there's a lot of positive drives that we've had in different games yeah we had two of them and maybe three or four. Yeah, really good-looking drives where it was like boom, boom, boom. The touchdown to Austin Allen, the play-action one to him, that drive was outstanding. It was a running drive that that set up a play-action pass. And my point behind that is at the end of this season, there will be plenty of negative things to, to look at. But when you pull out those drives that work, 
this is where I think we need to we need to scale back. Sometimes offensively, I feel like we're trying to be all things to everyone. We're trying to be tempo. We're trying to be shotgun spread. We're trying to be a little power. We're trying to be passing. We're trying to, you know, incorporate six or seven receivers. We're trying to, you know, do all these things. And there's moments where I think an advantage sometimes, I, I might go back to the Minnesota thing. Oh, they were without 33 guys. You know what being without 33 guys forces a team to do sometimes? Simplify. Sometimes it forces you just to say, we're just going to do a few things. We're not going to go out here and run the whole gamut of everything at you. I have yet to see Dedrick Mills be a bell cow. I mean, and that was the whole offseason talk. And if bell cow means eight carries or whatever he got against Ohio State in week one, then that's, I guess, it's a different definition of bell cow to me. On the first play of the game, when I see Wondell in the backfield instead of Dedrick Mills against a team that's giving up six and a half or whatever it was rushing yards a game, it just fundamentally philosophically it drives me crazy from play one so my little text chain with you guys after the game it was starting in the first quarter where it's like what are we doing control the things you can control that's something that we talked about a little bit later with uh, Chaz and SoCal we did an interview with them that will be on and uh, you know we talked about controlling what you can control and if I had three things that really drove me crazy that first play did it hearkened of the Illinois first play to me so I didn't like that but um, the lack of Mills that obviously was a concern to me. And the last one was the, how we ended the third quarter. To, for us defensively to stop them on fourth down. And again, I mean, our defense has shown up at times. And Mac, you and I were sitting in the uh, the hot tub wind machine. Yeah, we could do. We were 4-0 in that, in that hot tub prior to this weekend's game. But um, we're sitting there and we watch the end of the third quarter. Defense has that great stand gives the ball back to the offense, and there's less than 40 seconds on the clock. And, Mac, what did I tell you? Because it goes into commercial break. And during that, do you remember what I said about, about what do we need to do right now? There's less than 40 seconds. We we can control one thing. Oh, yeah. you wanted to, I, think, I, I believe you wanted to run the clock and get to the fourth quarter so we'd have the win. Exactly. The first play coming back was if we run the ball, we're going to the north, and there'd only been one score by either team the whole game up to that point going north. You wanted to go south. You wanted to have the, the win behind you. And I'm like, all we need to do is – it can be any kind of run. I don't care if it's a direct handoff to, to Mills. I don't care if it's a quarterback run. I don't care if they do a jet sweep to Wandell. doesn't matter to me what you do. But you run that clock down to zero, and we control that, and we will have second down and hopefully medium to short, and we have the, the win behind us. And we come out and throw three straight times in completions – yeah, oh, that guy. I'm sure he was open. I'm sure it was a bad pass here. Then we get the fumble, you know, the fumble sack, and it's just like we took 14 seconds off the clock to give them the ball back at the exact same spot. We put our defense in a horrible position again. It's just disappointing. Yeah, that that drive was disappointing, and and as you point out, the timing, you know, Boomer sometimes. The coaching staff feels somewhat just discombobulated, if that's the right word. Like, it's never, I mean, someone should be in Scott Frost's ear if he's not thinking about it. Someone else should be saying, Scott, let's just run the ball here this first down, and then we're going to turn the, the field. Yes. Do you feel like that's just not happening? I mean, like, what are we missing there? Well, it must not be happening if that or <laughs> Frost isn't listening. One of those two things. I don't know which one's better. I don't think either of them were better. Maybe the scenario, I guess, if there is a positive look at it, maybe the scenario that they happen to be in, formations or whatever, that called for a pass yeah. in that situation, or it was a run-pass option where the quarterback saw the opening and took a shot at it. You know, it, it could be, you know, those sorts of things. Boomer, you've been in that stadium probably more than any of us. Um, 
and you've seen windy conditions. Did it look that windy to you, um, just from the play in the field or just just watching it on TV? You know, it didn't seem like it. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, you've seen really windy days there, you know, where clearly balls are getting affected, whether it's, you know, punts or kicks and kickoffs and everything else. But you didn't really see that this much. You know, a lot of passes weren't just completely floating on everybody. Um, you know, the, the kicks were there for most sides. You had a few outlier weird, like an eight-yard punt, but I don't think, you know, that wasn't the wind in any stretch. And kickoffs didn't seem to be affected all that much, you know. So there was wind, but I don't think it was... They weren't playing in some sort of hurricane force, you know, or anything like that that just totally called for yeah, shutting Mac down passing. you say frost? Yeah, he was, he was asked specifically about that. I can't remember if it was Sam McEwen or not during the press conference today about riding out that third quarter into the fourth and whether the wind played a factor into that. And he kind of he alluded to the fact that the wind on the field didn't seem to have that much of a effect. Adrian even said so much. Yeah. Um, and that they were just going to go forward the best plays that they had. You know, they didn't work. You know, and like we always say, hindsight is twenty twenty. You sure. know what I mean? I mean, I don't think that was something they didn't consider. I don't think they considered the wind as much of a factor as it, it looked like on the field it was. Because you were right. They would only score it on once. Everybody would only score it on that, going that direction on the field. So, mm. listen, when you lose a game like this, you're up for every criticism possible. And that just becomes one yeah. of them. If you go into a third quarter like that and you limp into it and, it, and the other team takes over and wins, then that's just going to be the, the storyline. And, and and unfortunately, that's been the storyline for most of this season. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the press conference today. Redcasters, you'll notice you're not hearing a lot of press conference clips or anything. There won't be. I got lazy this time. I've just didn't, I couldn't put the time in prior to the show that I do on a normal one. It, this hurt. Well, the therapist recommended he take a day yeah, off. Yeah. It's been frustrating, but I appreciate Boomer. You stepped into the, doing social media stuff, and one of the things you did was ask the mailbag uh, question, and we got some great ones in. And Dave, I want to start with you, just talking about some of this offensive identity. We had a question from Sal Vasta, and he asked, "What is the identity of this offense? Is it big plays? Is it run the ball to set up the pass? Vice versa?" He said, "I think Frost wants to pass more than he lets on." So I think he needs to actually recruit passing QBs who can run a little, not running QBs who can pass a little. That's a loaded question. We'll just start with the identity piece first and kind of go from there. What do you what are your thoughts on what is the offensive identity of this team? Well, I mean, I I think he's on to something there, you know. If you look at Frost's offense at Oregon and at, at UCF, I think you did have uh, passing quarterbacks. You know, Oregon uh, with Mariota, one being good enough to be a high NFL draft pick, and Milton, you know, McKenzie, Milton, having an, an amazing season at UCF, and if he wasn't five foot 10, 185, he also might be an NFL quarterback. Um, but, hey, I mean, Kyler Murray and, and Russell Wilson are, are, are slinging it in the NFL, so you never know. Um, I, I think you have to have an accurate quarterback in this offense for it to work, uh, especially down – field accuracy and that's what we're struggling with right now with Adrian or Luke um, Adrian can hit anything generally speaking within 10 yards um, but as we throw the ball downfield and that that that's partially him it might be some of the play calling there, there's a lot of factors that go into that but right now we are not effective throwing the ball down the field getting chunk plays I personally feel as I watched uh, highlights of those Oregon teams and UCF that chunk plays are a critical part of this offense for making it work. Um, it makes the run game work better. It it opens up the field entirely. 
Um, and it's interesting, you know, the, the, the first play of the game, Honky, I totally understand your criticism. It's absolutely maddening. But if you watch those, those highlights from those other, other years under Frost's, uh, play calling, that's a run play in his mind, I feel like, right? It just, we just aren't very good at it. Yeah. At those other schools, they're very good at it. And it essentially is a run play. You're, it's like an option. You're throwing it out to Wandell and you're seeing if he can make a play in open space. And for some reason, we can't do it at Nebraska. It feels like a curse because it worked everywhere else. It works for other teams across the country. doesn't work for us. The lacking of identity is a, is a lacking of execution of the offense that Scott Frost built at his previous stops, right? And that's why, why we're at this conundrum, this kind of existential um, point in, in this experiment of of uh, Husker power and Oregon speed because it's not working right now. Okay, well then let's go to the execution piece of Sal's question. We are clearly a quarterback running team. I mean, mm-hmm. that's been very clear, but he's he's actually asking the opposite piece of this. You know, should we be recruiting QBs who can run a little, not QBs who pass a little? I mean, he, he's flipping that around. Do we need a more statuesque quarterback who can complete that side pass but but can't do the 20 carries a game the way that Martinez is? Yeah, and I mean, again, if you look at its Frost offense elsewhere – he didn't have his quarterback running 15, 20 times a game. He had him running maybe six, eight, maybe 10 at most. Um, it was a legitimate threat that the quarterback would run the ball, but it was not a primary running threat. It was a secondary running threat. And so it's a different offense than what he ran elsewhere. So I'm still befuddled on why we have our quarterback. And Adrian had 100 yards. Mac, you pointed that out before the the, the podcast, Adrian had 100 yards running uh, on Saturday. Um, but what does it get us, right? Um, it gives us 17 points. Yeah, well, part of that offensive identity is scheme. And we had questions from Sasquatch Queen and another one from Salvasta. Mac, I'll throw this to you. Mm-hmm. Um, today, tight end Austin Allen, he uh, said in press conference that this offense is built to execute with 11 guys doing the right job. It can't work with just 10. So one mistake throws the whole thing off. Their questions are, so does this suggest that the offense is flawed? Shouldn't Frost examine himself and adapt the offense to work more consistently? Well, I think Dave did a good job of pointing out on that last question. With the Oregon offenses, I would assume that if you went back and watched those, there were 11 guys doing exactly what they were supposed to do, and then it was a very effective offense. I don't think... I don't know many offenses that are designed that you could one guy could take the playoff, particularly, I mean, I guess it matters on which guy. If it's like the the backside wide receiver not making a block and he doesn't get it right, that might not be important. But if it's your left tackle, it's important. You know, if it's your quarterback, it's important. If it's your center, it's important. You know, so, no, I don't think it's flawed because all 11 guys need to be doing their job. And I also don't think it's unreasonable to have all 11 Division I Power 5 athletes doing their job every single play. That's not unreasonable. That's what you drill. That's what you practice. Now, that's on the coaching staff to get that done. It's also on the players to get that done. It's not a flaw, but it is <laughs> It is the crux of what our issue is, right? I don't. It's, it's not the flaw, but that is the, that's the heart of the problem. Is for whatever reason, we can't get 11 guys doing the same thing every play with any kind of consistency to move the ball down the field. And when we do, we score. And that's when everybody's executing. So I don't think it's a flaw. I think it's, a, I think it's more of an issue of 
I don't want to call it development. I don't want. To, I don't know what to call that. I don't know what to call that chemistry. Whatever you want to put, whatever name that needs to be, we need to we need to mix that secret sauce and spread it all over the team and get that going. Well, those flaws that you guys are talking about. I mean, that's obviously that's the execution, right? And so because there's flaws and because we're we're an angry fan base right now, somebody needs to pay. And <laughs> law, politics, and football. Uh, we love him, man, on Twitter. He, he asked the question, he goes, not calling for firings, but a recognition that after these three years, it'd be normal for a school to move on from at least one staff member. Which coach is most likely to be fired and why is it Verduzco? And I hate, God, I hate asking that question. I, I hate asking it. But Boomer, <laughs> we're not calling for any individual person's head here. But is it natural right now to think that we're going to see change at the very least after this season? Is that warranted from what you're seeing? Or, or can we fix this with the guys we have and they just need to, they need to identify the issues and get it better? I mean, what do you, what is your from that i guess the first question you have to ask yourself if you're frost is are my coaches that i currently have can they even identify what the problem is i because we're all aware there's problems but what what are they what's causing them you know if if he goes to any of his coaches and you know why can't we score why can't we you know move the ball consistently and if they don't have answers then why wouldn't you get rid of some of them? I mean, because if, if they can't fix the problem, then you might have to find somebody who will. Again, we're not saying anyone should be let go or fired or anything like that. I think uh, Verduzco is a popular target, you know, among the, I hate to call them atavistic, but aggressive fan, part of the fan base. Um, just because, you know, we've seen, we've had a lot of questions on the quarterback play, just the inability of them to consistently throw the ball downfield with any sort of depth or accuracy so you there's naturally going to be questions when you've had all the talent that we have with adrian martinez in that first year doesn't seem to have progressed over the last you know this is his third season already doesn't really seem to have grown or progressed um you got mccaffrey who just just doesn't seem to have that arm strength either to be quarterback so and as max said you know, having a quarterback be effective is pretty important for any offense to work. And if that's a question, you're naturally going to draw fire for it. If that's your, if yeah, it's your position coach. But again, maybe he can't identify the problem. Maybe it's you know more injury related than we thought. And you know that's just something they're going to have to work to overcome. And that's why we're playing the way we are. Well, you know, you think about last year. Frost has shown that he is willing to make some changes. And I think about it. I know at the end of last year, I was one of the first ones saying we don't, I don't think we need to fire any of the coaches necessarily I think you know we're we've got to clean up this thing and that thing and these guys can do it right but then as Mac when we were talking with Sipple back in August he referenced a meeting with Frost last November mm-hmm. and just looking at some video and he said I don't think Frost would mind me saying this he goes you know they were talking about the wide receivers and the wide receivers weren't hitting key points key markers on on certain plays they weren't showing effort on certain plays they weren't blocking to the whistle all these issues and I didn't put two and two at that moment but when you think about it he was literally calling out Walters for mm-hmm. Walters job without without saying I'm going to fire Walters but the position group that he coaches isn't doing the things that I need to see them doing and so there's an example of a change that they made yeah. and, and that he was willing to make or look at the outside linebackers uh, I think we've set the edge very well this year. I've seen growth out of Doman and out of you know Nelson, and I've seen some outside linebackers really play some decent ball this year. And 
I think that's a direct credit to Dawson coming back here. So a change can be very positive. Mm-hmm. I also am not the, the fire guy. You know, look, the issue at Nebraska has never been that we haven't fired enough guys. <laughs> that's true. You know, I, I don't think we can just fire our way out of out of everything we all do. the time. We have been on a bit of a firing streak. Oh, geez. I mean, if we could just fire one more guy, Dave, I think that's the thing, right? That will fix it all. Well, let me ask you a, the question a little bit differently. Let, let's not fire anyone. Let's just move people around a little bit. Uh, Let's say, you know, Frost had a lot of success with his quarterbacks at Oregon, and he had Mario Verduzco as kind of a consultant at that point in his coaching career, right? He wasn't on the staff, but he was clearly an influence on on Scott and how he was coaching his quarterbacks. What if Mario would shift over to a consultant role? Instead of being a full-time assistant, he was actually just a a consultant, right, Um, and an offensive analyst, and Scott takes over the quarterback room, um, so he's more hands-on with his quarterbacks. Who who would you bring in? We now have an, an, an additional assistant we could hire. Would you bring someone else in for the offense? Would that someone that new assistant go on the defense? Where would you put that new assistant coach? I mean, Turner Kill, right? That's the, that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. That's a great that's a great question, though, Dave. I don't. I wouldn't. I'm not trying to get rid of Verduzco if he would take a consultant job or anything like that. Well, which That'd is basically what Lubick was a year yeah, ago so, for us. Right. That's a good question. I hadn't given that any you know, thought. That, Osborne, that's, that's worth some contemplation. Osborne was the quarterback coach, the offensive coordinator, and the head coach for all those years until we hired Turner Gill. We hadn't had a quarterback coach until Gill in, what, 91 or 92, whatever that year was. So – but, boy, that's a lot on a coach. And right now, I don't think people are looking at Frost and saying, we need to throw a position job on top of, you know, in fact, you're getting people right now questioning, should he be the OC? Should he get hand that those duties off and become more of the CEO? And the reality is, and I've heard multiple people, I think Sipple was one of them that said this, I don't see that happening because I, I don't see Frost wanting to be the CEO type. I, I think he wants to – this is his offense. He, he's as confident as – anyone in what he's calling but it goes back to that third quarter is there somebody in the in the booth well, that can move, tell him something maybe you, you know? move Lubick to quarterbacks coach and then bring in another wide receivers coach it could be now you know wide receivers at some point will sit there and say geez you know we're going through co- coaches every two years defensive or, backs go tough stuff well we've done it for years and years and, and years <laughs> and this it, it all gets back to Sometimes firing th- people are, is the right thing, and sometimes it's I'm not. Right? Shifting and adding. <laughs> I'm not saying firing anyone. It's a reallocation. It's funny that the staff came here in whole from UCF because of the continuity thing and because of his trust and faith that he had in these coaches. He liked them so much that he brought the entire staff over. And so there also becomes a point of like when you keep picking them off every year, that doesn't give a lot of you know confidence either. We're literally, hey, let's run that offense the way that UCF ran it. Okay, by doing what? Getting rid of all the coaches that coached it over there, too? I mean, fundamentally, I think this all gets back to where where people are like, we saw this in the first half of the Minnesota game. I I tweeted out at one point, I go, okay, I just got to say it. And then in all caps, I just said, run the damn ball, right? And I mean, 82 other tweets at the exact same time, people said the exact same thing. It was just... I don't know what the exact play was, but people just hit a frustrating moment where it's like, what are we doing? And this is that identity. Why can't we just be physical? One of the reasons this is such a hard moment for me after that game is that 
I am seeing all the positive things that if you go back to show one of the Redcasts, when I talked about walk-ons and strength and conditioning and recruiting in-state kids and all those things that are really important, we're doing them. And that's in the face of people back in the day saying, well, you're not going to get walk-ons anymore. No one's going to give up money to, guess what? It's happening. We just got a couple more here this last week. We just got kids that they're turning down full-ride scholarships to go to South Dakota State and all that. That's, it's happening. And we're getting kids to come here that we want to come here the last piece of this, it's the on the field piece. The other thing I would have said back on show one was fullbacks, right? And, and physicality and blah, blah. What is our mission statement? If we came out here and said, we're going to be, I'm not going to talk about position coaches. I'm not going to talk about formations and scheme. I'm just going to say, we're going to be the most physical team on the field. And that's our mission statement. End of it. You write it on every chalkboard. You write, it is printed on the walls. We're going to be the most physical team on the field. Yeah. Am I crazy for saying that? It, does that fly in the face of strength and conditioning and the and the, the War Daddy Up movement? Can we do that and be a shotgun team? Can we do that and be a spread team? I, I don't know. We're physical this year. I don't think that makes any difference. We're physical. I, we're not good. We need to execute. We should be the most executable team on the on the field. Well, we're physical. <laughs> Are we physical? Yes. It's not a lack of physicality. It's a lack of execution. I, the mission statement's not going to fix that. We need to execute. I'm not trying to. Do, I'm no, not trying I, to pop your balloon. I, I'm, I'm just telling saying you, we're more physical than we were. Any other of the years of Scott Frost's regime, physicality isn't the issue. We need to execute. I mean, and and be physical, but it's. I mean, I don't know. I think you need to be the most physical team on the field. Well, yeah, and there are do, some. There you, are but some it's games not that do any good if you're holding and you're physical, or you're 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 targeting and you're physical. You know, and we're doing that. I I, I just it, I've, I've seen us be more physical. I just not seen us play better football. And I mean, we could be more physical. Or we could be as physical, but if we executed, we'd win more games. I think what what you can do is, when I see Wandell, and this is no disrespect on Wandell, I love the kid and he is doing everything being asked of him. When I see him in the backfield and we're asking him to go between the tackles, that flies in the face of me to me of, of being physicality. Well, it, yeah, okay? it does, that, except that, that the running back that you want to put back there can't make it through a game. Sure. I mean that's and that comes to a whole different I kind I, of, I, a set of circumstances. I, we need to have these freshmen ready up to go. We need to have you know a couple guys. It's, that, well, this goes size. this goes back to our earlier question of it seems like we have to have everything ready to go. That we that do. seems to be one issue. There is no room for error in this offense. Whereas a Minnesota can be without X number of players, including a couple but of offensive linemen. Wide receiver over to running back to do it. For some reason, we do that. I don't I'm get just, that. I'm just saying, and, and you're right about that not being physical. Other teams, but that's but this is the, what other teams seem to do. It's a scaled back version. It's a it's a man. It's a three yards in a cloud of dust kind of offense. But the Iowas and the and the Wisconsins and the ones that when they find something, they stick with it. And man, because we're going to be the most physical team on the field, if we're getting six yards of carry, we're going to pound the hell out of you for six yards of carry. Nebraska, and I'll go back to the Wisconsin game a year ago where we had eleven, you know, where we had seventeen carries, eleven yards of carry for Mills. But we turn the game over at times where we just start throwing the ball around. When we have things working, the most physical team on the, on the field doesn't go away from something that's working if you're getting those kinds of yards. Iowa oh. wouldn't stop pounding us. Wisconsin wouldn't stop pounding us. We stop ourselves sometimes. We can run the ball on teams, and then I see us stop running it for a drive, and it's a wasted drive. At the end of the third quarter, to go three and out in 15 seconds is a wasted drive, and um, excuse me if it's pass, pass, pass. And run-pass ratios that I get crapped on, they're legit. If you're throwing the ball 
30 times in conditions like this when you can run against a team that has 6.5 yards a play on defense. You're not trying to impose your physicality, at least. That, that it's just fundamentally, I just have an issue there. Now, I'm can probably... You impose a physicality... Passing the ball? If no. You're, if you're 5'8", slot-wide receiver, is your running back because you're... Your six foot, two hundred and ten pound running back isn't ready to go. Yeah, I don't. I can't understand right now that to your point there. I don't understand our rotation. I don't get that. I don't understand. I don't understand how we go from Dedrick Mills to Wondell Robinson in the backfield when we have and all then, these and other then, guys. And then we don't even. Go I don't from get that. Wondell to another running back. Then we'll put somebody in like our backup quarterback. So I don't know how I, I don't know how yeah. we can be physical if we're if, we're, if that's if that's our <laughs> rotation at that backfield. Honky, I, I know you keep on going back to that one drive, and, and it was an unfortunate drive. I completely agree with you. But sure. it, this actually, it, it's made me think a lot about uh, the, the statistics and like the idea of like, are, are we being effective enough with a run game that we should be sticking with it? One thing that illustrated this to me why I rewatched the game was our our drive in the third quarter that ended in the missed goal a drive that looked very good until the last three or four plays. Uh, we did everything really well there. Mills had some nice runs. Adrian had some nice runs. We had one or two passes. Um, we had first and 10 around the inside the 20 Mills had a six, about a six yard run on first down. And we go back to that side of the, the line for the next play and Mills gets stuffed. He gets maybe a half yard. So it's third and four. And then we throw the ball and it gets tipped at the line and we trot the field goal team off and, and, and Connor Colt misses his second field goal of the year. Are you more frustrated that he got stuffed on on second and five when we just had a successful run play? We went right back to the well, like you're saying, hey, we just had a six-yard run, went right back to it, got stuffed. Or are you more frustrated that Frost felt like he had to throw the ball on third and four? Should he have gone back to it a third time? I mean, what what would you have done there? Look, is every single running play going to produce five yards? No. Are you going to get stopped on one? Sure, you will, right? And not all passes are bad. I mean, I, I'm going to be guilty as a fan. I'm probably always going to want to see us. I'm going to err on the side of a, I want to see us running the ball versus versus passing the ball a, a heavy dose, right? Especially in games played in December in Lincoln, Nebraska, and with snow getting brushed off the field right before the game. Yeah, those are those are games where just in general I kind of have a vision of how the game plan should look. So it goes back to the first play. I know that's a run in Oregon's offense, but that's a dropped backwards pass in our offense right now. I don't have a good way of saying it. I don't I don't even know exactly what I'm trying to say here because it's it's not just about being the most physical team on the on the field. It's there there's a lack of clarity to me at times of what are we trying to do. And well, I, but here's the thing: I do think we have addressed some of the physicality in some respects to our offense. What I don't think we've addressed at all is the execution of our offense. I feel like our linemen have gotten bigger; they have gotten stronger, sure. and we do have pieces back there to be physical. But for sure. whatever reason, we almost we almost handcuff ourselves. By the packages we choose to run, and Dave, like we run two plays to the right. I don't even understand why we would do that. Maybe it was a maybe it was a zone read. I'd really have to go back and look at it. Maybe it was a bad time to to hand the ball off. Maybe he should have pulled that ball. But I mean, Ben Hart's had his hands full all year long, and that's an and that's another issue. I don't know. We we are all over the place on offense, and it's 
<laughs> it's like, it's like it, everybody gets a turn. Every single person gets a turn, with maybe the exception of Wandell. I feel like Wandell's been pretty consistent all year. Austin Allen maybe is the other one. Yeah. But everybody else has just been, you know, on any given play. Well, Dave, let's. Uh, I'll try to get through a couple more questions. I mean, this is. It's exactly what we said. We. It's a frustrating season. Well, what are we going to? This doesn't we, seem. We we stuff we're, here, man. We said we're going to talk for thirty minutes, and clearly we, the coaches we don't have an answer. What? Are we we yeah. don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Grandpappy uh, asked Dave uh, on Twitter, he goes, the record doesn't reflect it, but I see improvements. When do those improvements show up on the win-loss column? If I knew that, I wouldn't be sitting here doing a podcast with you guys. That's for certain. No. Um, You're doing the betcast. That's right. That's right. Dude. I could make a lot of money on this. Um, next year, the schedule is going to be tough again. No doubt about it. But there's no reason to think that we can't continue to improve i just don't know when it's going to manifest itself into wins like we keep on saying it i don't know i don't have a crystal ball to protect predict that future right so i just i don't know boomer yeah you have a crystal ball handy no but uh you'd have to say i mean i i don't know when they'll manifest themselves but you gotta hope it's in a hurry um you know we always talk about you're not calling for firings or changes but man another season or two of this I don't know how well that would go over. I mean, Dave said next year is a tough schedule, and it you know sets up to be kind of like this year's was. You've got Oklahoma, you've got Buffalo. If Leipold's still there, who knows? But uh, you know, you're opening in a weird game with Ireland. You know, playing Illinois, who who knows is going to be coaching that? So yeah, you've just got to hope it's soon. Otherwise, you know, at some point you just have to question everything about the process and what we're doing and what we've taken on at this point. So I don't know, but you just hope sooner than later is, would be my answer to that. I, I don't have a, I can't say for, with any you know, clarity when that would happen. But when you know that if, if we don't, if it ain't soon within the next year or two, I am going to question everything. I know nothing about anything. If we, if we're not getting any better with the stuff, I feel like we're doing the right way to get better. Uh, I don't, I don't even want to contemplate it. Well, then here, Mac, let's, let's ask you maybe the, the easiest question I can. From Brandon Cavanaugh, a contributor with Athlon Sports, he asked us, uh, what is the one issue the Huskers can fix the fastest to make progress under Scott Frost moving oh, forward? Oh, finally, a layup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the fastest way to make progress. Now, is progress wins? Because uh, he didn't <laughs> yeah, say have, wins. We have to define He it. didn't say wins. It has to be wins. <laughs> oh, dang it. All right, well, then. This, um, it has to be wins. Ugh. How do we How do we win these one-score losses, at which we saw the graphic during the Minnesota game, what we're tied for second in the country for the most one-score losses in the last blah, blah, blah years and no. whatever. Who cares? How this, do we, how do we win issue, those? This is the issue, man. I've seen us lose in every so conceivable possible way. Yeah. That I've said, well, if we just don't have turnovers. Or if we just have less penalties than the other team. Or if we have more rushing yards. Or if we don't. Time of possession. <sighs> field position. Good snaps. Until this team <laughs> learns to play like a team. And it's, you know, it's, it's a trust thing. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a chemistry deal where you're not looking at the other guy to make a play. I feel like when Cam Taylor-Britt went out of the game last week. Yeah, I felt like, man, that's kind of a big deal because he was a guy who was who can make plays all over the field. And you take that one guy off the team, man, we're now in some serious desperation as far as real difference makers in the game. You know, we've had a couple of people that have submitted really positive things. I said this earlier. Vegas Jer, I want to thank you. You always, you know, send us a lot of good stuff. And 
that kind of positivity is very helpful. We had a guy, Ryan Manninger, a guy that's a, a year older than us, Skoda's kid. Um, call him kid. He's a year older. <laughs> he talked a lot about in defense of Coach Frost. He also talked about how to handle this frustration. The question he had was, if a person, a Husker fan, is on a continuous search to find negative in the, in the program, that's exactly what they'll find. And this can be exhausting. Why do people torture themselves? Uh, Boomer, I'll throw that to you. We work very hard here to try to find some positivity. And it's exhausting at times. I get that. But there are some people that look like they, they just search just to find the negative. Why do they do that to themselves, I guess? I don't know. You see it in all sorts of avenues in life, uh, especially if you're on social media for any length of time. You always see people just trying to find the negatives. I think some of it is it's you can keep saying negative things and sometimes you're proved right. You know, if things do go awry and it gives you an opportunity to gloat, you know, I guess maybe there's some of that. Some people just look on the negative side of things. And, you know, sometimes it, it's just a way to mask actual differences. You know, you'd see that back with all the different coaching changes we've gone through. You still got people fighting, you know, wars over, you know, should we have kept Solich or which athletic director is responsible for all this? People still fighting, you know, the Bo versus Riley wars. I mean, it just, just goes on. So people want to just find ways to back up what their preferred argument was seven years ago or whatever it was. So we can do all the negatives, you know, all we want. But it's also nice to have a little bit of positivity as well in life, especially especially this year. Well, the last question came from some guy named Mac. And uh, Dave, I'll, I'll throw it to you because it involves movies and you're kind of a movie guy. He goes, at what point do you think uh, we should switch our focus to an 80s movie review uh, podcast? Ah, well, that's a that's a good question. Um, I mean, a hockey could, you know, cover the Police Academy movies, obviously. So we'd have that, that angle covered. Um, I, I think we could go at least another, I don't know, Two more coaching staffs in a decade or so before we go there. I don't know. I've I've got a lot left in the tank. To be honest with you. To to Dinger's point, um, I I'm a Husker fan, and I'm always always going to be a Husker fan, no matter what happens going forward. And I think um, I'd rather have another Husker fan like Scott Frost um, trying to fix this thing. And um, we always say we're different. And I know all the numbers say that if you don't fix it in three years, you're not going to fix it as a coaching staff. But um, if we're ever going to buck that, um, I think this is, this is a story that will change that narrative. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stay here for another decade before we move to movies. Nice, Dave. I like that answer. All right, guys, I think that's plenty of questions from the mailbag. Let's uh, do some predictions, and then we'll transition to a great interview that Honky and Mac did with Chaz and SoKyle. Let's um, let's have a, a prediction from Boomer. This is the kind of game you could convince me. We could go out and win it 28-14, to 14, or we could go out and lose it 27-14. to 14. Like Honky said, you just, you know, you know what you're going to get, you know, from Huskers, it seems. Um just to put a positive spin on the end of the year, I say somehow we go out and win this. Oh, what the heck. 24 to 21. And an exciting day in, in New Jersey. And I did want to also mention that uh, we did have a request to uh, start including more cobbler recipes in the podcast. So uh, first off, you take a cup of fresh cranberries and then a third of a cup of uh, bourbon. And, wait, I'm out of time? Oh, <laughs> that is great, Boomer. <laughs> See, we're, we're keeping it light here on the Redcast and, uh, you know, having a good time. Hey, Mac, uh, your prediction. Um, my prediction is I'm, I'm going to be at work and um, I don't get off till 7. And uh, I'll probably know the outcome before I get home. And I hope it's a victory. I feel like it'll be a victory. 
But I feel that every week, and I've been wrong so, so many times. (laughs) (laughs) I love that, the the accuracy of that prediction. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to go for the Huskers 28-27. Is that possible? Okay, yeah. Sure, absolutely. (laughs) Two numbers that aren't the same as possible. We have one more than the other. Yeah, you've got that. Yep, yep. yep. All right. Uh, And hockey. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel like I have the energy for a prediction. Um, I'm. Yeah, I'll just tell Swobes for the graphic. Just wait. You know, you can put down that I'll wait till the after the first play. I need to. I need to see that because the first play tells me the rest of the game. It seems like at least that's how I feel right now. <laughs> Second and two, we win. Second and two, we win. That's right. All right. All right. Sounds good. I will. Um, I'll take the Huskers because why not? And um, I'll say. Uh, 30 to 24. We only win when we score 30 or more. So we have to get 30 to win. So I'll go 30 to 24. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, enjoyed the uh, conversation. Um, hopefully we answered a few questions from the Redcast listeners. Uh, let's hear that interview with Chaz in SoCal. Welcome back to the Redcast. Mac, we have a uh, a repeat visitor here, Chaz, in SoCal. Yep, little Twitter royalty as far as Husker fan base is concerned. Uh, Chaz, welcome back to the Redcast. Hey, that's been a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun last year. <laughs> I think similar to last year when we had you on, it was it was coming off of a, a loss as well, which is, that right? it, it is what it is. <laughs> a good odds that that was the case if you've been on the Redcast. So we've, we've seen 15 yeah. wins in the last four years yeah. on this show. But we are doing squats. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, I think it's almost a, a, a perfect time to have you on because as we were talking before recording, you know, I said you're a very positive fan and you kind of, you kind of said, I'm not necessarily positive. You know, you're just, you're objective and you're objective in a, in a level headed way. And I think if nothing else, that's as needed as anything right now. Uh, because Mac, I can tell you our inbox, uh, mm-hmm. it's not all level headed fans. We've had some and I mm-hmm. thank them, but mm-hmm. they haven't all been level headed. No, there's been a, there's been a couple people on the fringe and, you know, it's understandable. We've all, gotten tired of watching these losses and these frustrating, you know, single possession games that we can never come out on the winning side of, it seems. But at the same time, Chaz, I know you see you progress in the team. You've highlighted on several several of your clips. So, I mean, when you're looking at this team, when we can just we can just start we can start with the Minnesota game and, you know, we can even just start with the offense. I know that was it was a point of contention this last week. He didn't necessarily perform up to snuff, but even within the darkest of times, there's there's a little bit of light if you're looking. <laughs> I stepped away from Twitter all Saturday. Not a whole <laughs> lot more. Just seeing you know, how happy people were Sunday. It's hard to keep perspective. Uh, it hurts. We get so enmeshed into our Huskers. You know, we're Husker fans. And to lose these games and to see the same thing over and over and feel like uh, it's just not going in. I understand, I can appreciate hearing where, you know, people are tired of losing. Scott was hired to turn that around. And so I can appreciate the, you know, the feelings of, of frustration. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had to take my share of walks to try and walk some of this stuff off and, and uh, questions that I don't have answers to. So, you know, I don't really have too much problem with that. I, I can respect fans who feel frustrated at this point. What I try and do is 
step back. That's just the way I was taught. Try and step back from a big distance and look at a big picture and say, okay, what's going on here? And, and, you know, I'm hearing, I'm hearing them start, people starting to whisper or more than whisper talking about, uh, coaching changes and then, you know, who's the next head coach going to be and all that. That's what happens when you lose a lot of these games like this. And that it's, it comes with the territory. I mentioned earlier today, he's paid a lot of money to lead the program, and this is part of what comes with it. And so, uh, now I'm 100% in Scott's, uh, I'm all for keeping Scott. I wouldn't even dream of, of a coaching change, not, not whatsoever. Here's a couple things for me for perspective. One is, let me play with you guys on a little bit of something here. Can you remember, what year are we in with Scott? We're in year three. 2.5. 2.5, so yeah. It's year three. We're basically, yeah, right. But we're basically year three. People are, so we had a disappointing season one, a disappointing season two. Now we were hoping to turn the corner, and frankly, I thought we might be part of this game. We might be, there's some signs we might be turning a corner, and then we fell flat again. Now we're at the end of the third year now, and... Here's the thing. Can you remember, well, hopefully any third disappointing season, what year would you guess would be the third season of Disappointment with Bo? I guess for me it was the loss to the Wisconsin and the Big Ten championship game. 2012. That was what I came up with as well, and that was his third season of Disappointment. 2010, we're doing good. Remember 2009? Oh yeah, that's the great, the great defense. defense. Yeah, everybody was thrilled. We were excited about 2009. Then 2010, we were rolling along. With then we had the hiccup with Texas, and oh my gosh, Texas. Then we had uh, this is our last year in the in the Big Twelve. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we had the frustrating loss at Texas A and M, which was just felt like that was robbed. But then we lost Oklahoma at the end of the year, and then we lost we lost three of our last four games. Yep, yep. And, you know, after after having such high hopes, that was kind of a disappointing end, uh, end of that season. Next year uh, we was our first year in the Big Ten. And remember how that started, getting just wiped out at Wisconsin. Lost <laughs> to Northwestern. We got wiped out by Michigan. Pretty well handled by South Carolina. And so now a second year of disappointment. Then we have 2012, third year with uh, with Bo. And remember, the talk of back then was we cannot have any more of these blowout losses. We're sure, tired true. of blowout losses. Yeah. Remember yeah. that? Oh yeah, that and was his big, that was his big uh, kryptonite. His Achilles heel was the that, blowout losses. That was where you started hearing a lot of uh, well, what should we do? So this is where I'm trying to look for perspective because uh, after that. We started getting the antsy back then, and eventually, remember, that's when you start having changes in the administration and uh, the lack of support. Things imploded from there, and of course, even then, we were still beating Iowa every year. Until, yeah, Bo uh, was three and one against Iowa. Yeah, yeah, and then he finished up beating Iowa, and then got fired the next day. Now, here's the thing: if we look back now, I wonder how many people would say. Well, yeah, but Bo was winning nine nine games every year. He never won less than nine games. Wouldn't that sound pretty good right now? Yeah. The funny thing with perspective is that 
I do remember some people, myself, I was actually saying that at the time. He was winning nine and ten games. Mm-hmm. There was also embarrassing losses, and, and we get that. To your point, in 2001, if you want to talk about the three-year scenario, 2001 was an undefeated uh, Nebraska team going to Colorado. I was at that game where we get blown out, and then mm-hmm. we get blown out by Miami, and that leads to a 7-7 seven and seven year the next year, and then that leads to uh, Frank getting fired at 9-3. and three. Mm-hmm. And of course year we three. and year three, and of course we look at it uh, by t- yeah by today's standards, we would look at that and go, you know, my goodness, what were we doing? But we literally fired a coach and said we don't want to gravitate to mediocrity at that time. Uh-huh. You know, when you think about perspective, Bob Devaney took over a program that was losing for twenty straight seasons, and he turns it around for the first five years, and they go on to go six and four in nineteen sixty seven and six and four in nineteen sixty eight. And as we interviewed Mike Babcock, Mac, mm-hmm. you know, I go, wow, we had these two bad years. And Mike's like, we went six and four. We had a great defense in 67. I mean, 68 wasn't a great team, but it was still went six and four. But perspective of fans changed so much so that after the 68 season, there's petition drives going around in Omaha to fire Devaney and to fire his staff, who has this guy, a young Tom Osborne on it. Uh, these guys, I think it's kind of a good thing they didn't make those uh, changes, I think, at the time. But perspective. Well, there was no Twitter. <laughs> yeah, there was no Twitter. <laughs> but it is about perspective. And so maybe that kind of gets us back to where we're at right now. The perspective is that losing like this isn't good. Nobody's happy that we're losing football games and, and not winning more. I mean, there's no other way to say it than that. But the perspective that we're not better than we were three years ago is asinine. The concept that we haven't gotten better in certain areas, that that what Frost has done is just a complete waste of time, that we are literally in the same spot we were three years ago. I get it that the record it is, but this is not worse football than what we saw three years ago. We're not getting pushed around the same way, but we're not winning. Something's not right. And the nice thing about perspective, too, is it it allows you to take the emotion out, right? Because we all lived during those times, and we were all – Super embarrassed every time we got on national TV. It was a prime time spot. Yeah. We go up against a good team and we get house called. And that was what everyone was getting upset about. Everyone was getting upset that every time it was a big stage and we were finally ready to break through, we wouldn't just lose. We would get killed. You're talking about like a, like with a Bo, with Bo. And with Bo. That's and how it would go. And the same thing would have been with Solich at the exactly. end there. When when we lost three out of four times to Kansas State, that's impossible. We got blown out by Iowa State. Oklahoma State beat us big in, in 02. We got oh, yeah. blown out by Kansas, Texas. Kansas beat us bad. You know, so it, it was all these things that had not been done before. So it's a new perspective to us. Back in 2002 and three and four, that's a new perspective. We were not used to losing those games. This is what I'm getting at, is the third season of disappointment, that's when, and by the way, the one name we didn't mention, uh, let's go with the year 1975. Well, we know who that's going to be. Sure. That's going to be Coach Osborne, and sure enough, his third season, they had, the last two years of Devaney, they had only two losses. His two losses were by three points each. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, they, you know, they're heartbreaking losses, frustrating, because it's a loss. We just don't do that. By the third year, Huskers were undefeated until the last two games. Once again, Oklahoma and Oklahoma stomped us, thirty-five to ten, Oof. for Nebraska to lose, but to lose that bad, and then lost the Fiesta Bowl. They lost to Arizona, Arizona State. Actually, was Osborne a bad coach? Obviously, this is what this is where I get it. And in nineteen seventy-five, how good a coach was Tom Osborne? And now. Bring that and say, in 2020, how good a coach is Scott Frost? Now, people, and I understand 
hey, listeners, don't jump there because I know you're going to say, yeah, but he or Tom Holland won nine games. You're talking perspective. That's why I'm saying you have to look at it through the lens of each year, even though he went nine, even though he only lost two games, that was a disappointment for the third season in a row. This is what I'm what I'm trying to get at. How good a coach was Tom Osborne his third year as a head coach? You know, I think he's a, he's a young coach. He's getting better. I think perspective deals with what you took over too. And I'm not making a single excuse for Frost here. What I'm getting at is that when you when people say, "Well, this guy was winning nine games at a time," okay, that's great. If you're taking over a program that was winning ten or eleven games, uh, the perspective is that nine's not very good, and you're going to be you're going to be getting some pressure. You're going to have a regent come after you after a bowl game that that Osborne had early mm-hmm. on, saying that I'm glad you won because you'd have been fired if you didn't win. That's what Osborne yep. dealt with winning nine games because of what he yep. came into. I said earlier that this is not the worst football I've seen, and I'll say it again. The worst football I've seen was 2017 Nebraska. That's the worst Nebraska football I've seen us on the field from just not giving effort in games. Watch, Look how we played against Minnesota in 2017 versus this last weekend, and tell me if you see a difference. Uh, it's still a loss. It's painful, but that's the worst football I've seen. That's what Frost took over. That doesn't excuse bad play this year. I'm not saying – I'm not blaming Riley for things that are going on right no. now. But it's – Husker fans right now, we have we have the three years of bad football built in right now that's happened under Frost, or three years of losing football at least. And you add that to the Riley era of mm-hmm. losing that really started in that – what I would say is that Ohio State game of 2016. We lost four of the last six games badly. Badly. We weren't competitive. Then we weren't competitive in 2017, and it's just – you know, it kind of led to where we are now, and people just are frustrated. Yeah, I mean, to so the let me, degree. Let me, let me play the other side of this because I think there's some legitimate concerns, and I've voiced them, uh, and I'm a 100 support. I I would not even dream of a change in coach. Uh, you know, I I think Frost is our guy. He's got the character. He loves Nebraska. He's a winner. He's committed to winning. He expects nothing but winning. Uh, he's not looking at this as someplace to jump to the next to the next good job. He's still learning as a coach, as Osborne was in 1975. He was still learning, but the raw material is there. I like, and he's already got proven that he can win. What Scott uh, Frost is struggling with, he's finding this isn't the same as the Pac-12. It's not the same as the ACC, and he came into this with an idea. He had a vision of something of combining an offense that combined Husker power with Oregon speed, and that's what he's been trying to do: is get the talent to work an offense uh, that combines something. It's a hybrid that no one's done before. That it would be something that's unique. Well, the problem is. When you're experimenting, sometimes they don't work. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things that are kind of in flux. When you're trying to create a system of an offense that's, that you haven't had before in a conference that's really strong on defense and uh, that he hasn't run into before, and it may not, it may need some tinkering. There again, I was thinking, going back to there's that perspective thing. When did, how many years was it before? Coach Osborne said, you know what? We need more speed. When was that? 
Well, it took Remember him that? It took, well, it took him five to six years. He was the passing guru of college football in the 1970s with Vince Ferragamo, David Hum. We were a passing offense, and we were successful. We were nine to ten wins successful, but we'd lose to Oklahoma. You lose to Oklahoma the first five times, and, and the Thomas Lots and the J.C. Watts and all that, that eventually led Osborne to say, I need to switch the offense, and, and we need to play offense the way that Oklahoma does. They go out, they recruit a, t- a Turner Gill. It makes a difference on the offensive side of the quarterback. We have a mobile, dual-threat kind of QB, and the rest is history. And then 10 years later is when the defense, mm-hmm. he again adjusts, and he goes, you know, the 5-2. There we go. The five two isn't keeping up with the Miamis and Florida States in the bowl games. We need to switch to this four three. And the point that I, I love what you're saying here is that this is not a straight line for Osborne for 25 years. No, it wasn't just straight no, up. We're there are times where you're having to adjust. You're having to see what's going on. If Frost is as good of a coach as I think he is, he is going to have to look himself in the eye. He's going to have to look his team on the film and say, is this going to work two years from now, three years from now? Are we just mi- Is it as simple as we're missing a couple of open passes, or is there something more fundamentally not there? Well, it's, it's like you said. Okay, you want to combine Husker power with Oregon speed, yet they have the discipline of neither yeah. and the execution yeah. of neither. So it's like Excellent. we don't Good even point. know what that looks like yet. Until, he, until we start executing on a consistent level, and everybody who watches this team can see – us missing plays, can see a guy is running open, can see missed blocks. And it makes you want to pull your hair out because you yep. you see the openness of some of these guys. You see how close we are on some of this, but we have this echo of of Riley saying we're right there or Bo saying we're so close. I remember Callahan saying that so many times. It was like, you know, we're uh-huh. just missing a block here. You know, just got a little block here. You know, like, <laughs> my God, I'm tired of hearing how close we are. The two beefs that I have, you know, there's a lot of things we can't take, can't be responsible for, and can't control. But the things you you got, somebody's got to address, and one of them is uh, the sloppy play. That's not Husker football. Yep. Husker football is not sloppy, uh, mistake prone, losing your losing, playing out of control, uh, silly fouls, silly personal fouls, uh, undisciplined play. That's not Husker football. That's something you can control. I have a philosophy. I have a theory. I just wonder if we've gone too far with the idea of no fear of failure. I could be wrong. I'm wondering if no fear of failure means, uh, okay, we can be reckless. There's got to be some discipline. There's got to be some accountability. You know, in Purdue, uh, I don't know if you guys saw that, when their offensive linemen committed holding, every time they went right off the field as soon as they'd committed a penalty because that was the deal. You committed a penalty and you're, you get pulled. I'm not saying that you need to do that. I'm saying there needs to be some forms, some some way of cleaning up the mistake prones mm-hmm. to get this. So this team is playing clean, smart, disciplined football, blocking, uh, disciplined blocking, disciplined tackling. That tackling. That's one of two areas. The other is and you've heard me say this a lot of times. I think there's a legitimate uh, beef in terms of the passing game, and particularly uh, they got to go vertical. This this side the sideline east west game instead of north south they got to get vertical uh, they got to go downfield and, and that both for running and passing I wish I understood and saw what Coach Frost sees to know the thinking and it maybe he's just trying to be consistent and work what they've been working to see if this approach works in this conference but 
back to my other point is this is when we were talking about how Coach Osborne changed his philosophy as he learned and said, this isn't working, well, Joseph, different. And then he did it again with the defense. This isn't working. I can see we need to make some changes, and we changed to, to the 4-3. Coach Osborne is Scott Frost's mentor. There's still nobody that uh, is closer to him in terms of who he respects more. That's who he learned more from anybody of how to coach was from Coach Osborne. And if Coach Osborne wasn't afraid to make fundamental changes, Scott's got that in his DNA. The catch is you've got to have these pers- this perspective so he can step back and say, okay, this is going to take longer. Scott's got to learn. You know, he's our guy. He's signed for seven, eight years, so he's not going anywhere. Yeah. Let's not make another mistake like we did with Polini, and let's not make the mistake that someone to do with uh, Coach Osborne saying, too much disappointment, we want to make a change. Well, That's I, the catch. I think the point, that you can't just fire your way out of every one of these. The problem with Nebraska football right now. No, you can't. Yeah. The, the problem with Nebraska football isn't that we haven't fired enough people over the years. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, we've, we've hit and, that button. And hitting reset again, look. Execution's key here. No offense works if you're not executing correctly. If you can't get the snap, and that's been a legitimate issue for ours for the, the last year and a half, although it's gotten better the last couple games for what it's worth. But if you can't get the basic fundamental start of the play right, and that screws up timing on everything else, then it really doesn't matter what offense you're running. Mm-hmm. If you have some things that are flawed like that, I don't even care about the opponent right now. I've heard people say, oh, it's the Big Ten. or It's, a, this is, it's losing football no matter who we're playing. If you can't yep. do the basic things, like you said, let's get vertical, okay? So when we go vertical and we overthrow guys that are open, that's not winning football either, right? At some point, there's an execution piece that just has to be hit. Now, whether that's a fundamental, I need to, I'm frost, I need to look at my offense and I need to make changes, it, it's not going to work, or it literally is we, we're missing a piece. I don't know, Mac, but I, my somewhere. Thing, yes, it's the execution. Like I said, I've seen I've seen plays be called that I thought if they were just executed properly would work. The where I get frustrated with this staff, and it's particularly on the offensive side, is the is personnel packages. Like I don't understand this far into his tenure why Wandell is starting that game in the backfield. He's now a, I know he's, he's not. I, I, I know, but like I don't get it. I don't get why we couldn't get any of these freshmen running back up to speed. I don't get the rotating door at, at wide receiver. That part frustrates me the most, and, yeah. and that has to fall on the coaching staff because that's development and that's getting yeah. these guys prepped and ready to go. How many times during a game, Mac, have we sat there and said, there's not a play that I don't want to see Xavier Betts out there running yeah. a route? Because when the ball gets thrown to him, he catches it and he makes a play with it. How many times have we said, why is Mills not out there? Why is he not getting the carries? You know, And then when we get done with the game, if Frost sits there and says we're young, but we're sitting our senior running back who – you know, has a thousand yards, you know, at Nebraska so far rushing, or was, was he close, close to breaking a thousand, whatever close, it was. Yeah. Point is, those are decisions that's controlling what we can control. And you mentioned that earlier, yeah. Chaz. We're controlling when we sit him on the bench, when we don't have certain personnel out there, yeah. when we choose to throw the side screen on first, the first down of the game, when we, when we choose to not kick the ball off to start the game. Once more, let's win the coin toss. Let's take the ball and let's give up the possession at the beginning of the second half. Let's let the other team choose the wind. Let's lose the field position battle right away because we're going to be aggressive. Those are choices on our part. And if we go out and score on the first drive every time, awesome. But we're not doing that right now. And we're setting ourselves up in really bad spots. That's a problem. And that's a problem that we're, we're choosing to do on our own. That's, that's a legit issue. Yeah. You know, I ask a lot of questions. 
when I'm on Twitter because I'm trying to learn. But one of the things I think I've learned, the more the more I study and learn and look at this stuff, is it's complex. There are no quick, simple solutions that make things, you know, that, that works. If it works here, it'll work there. You just need a new coach and that'll fix it. Yep. The issues, if we, you know, it'd be a fun conversation is if we could break it down to things like, for instance, I like the strength and conditioning. I think strength and conditioning is really improved. I really like the improvement of the defensive line. I like what I've seen with the linebackers. Uh, I really love what, what uh, Coach Beckman's done with uh, the tight ends. There's been players that have made big jumps this year, but the team hasn't. The teamwork, the chemistry is off. Well, then we get into the question, what makes good chemistry? What is it that makes it work so that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts? And right now, the sum of its parts is greater than the whole. We have some areas we got the talent, but they're young. We got the strength and conditioning, but it's still, uh, it's, it's year three, it's coming together. But with this much young talent, then we have the mysteries that I don't have answers to as well, which is, uh, why we abandoned the run. You've got to run. I mean, you yep. just got to be able to run the ball. And Scott knows that and Scott believes that he's preached it. So I don't really understand. I don't know what's gone in, and I'm just saying I don't understand what's gone on to that. And, you, you know, the offense has become so predictable with the horizontal uh, uh, instead of going vertical. You know, that first pass, my son, Brian, and Jeanette and I were watching the game, and after the first play uh, Saturday, I said, oh, my gosh, that looks just like Illinois. Mm-hmm. That was my first concern. I said, my the very first thing I told Brian, I said, uh-oh, that feel, this feels like Illinois. I didn't want to say it. I didn't put it on Twitter. I didn't want to go, <laughs> you know, the negative. But that was my first thought is I said, uh, we should be running it right at him, bury him, uh, take it to him. This, you, you know, this is a team that ran it all over, ran it over and through you a year ago. Let's take it to him and, and bury them. Wisconsin 2019. I, that's what I thought were, was going to be the game plan was Wisconsin 2019 where yeah. Mills almost ran for 200 yards. I, I just don't know yeah. what happened to that. And so I, anyway, there's, it's, there's a lot of things. It's not any one thing that's going on. Yeah, I think that's a – we've brought this up a number of times. We we met, we said bell cow over and over again during the offseason shows leading up to the year. Uh, Ryan Held talked about bell cow for the, the running back, and we were really excited this year to see what that meant. And to come out in game one against Ohio State, and I think Mills had, what was it, single-digit carries, oh, yeah. you just, it, it baffles you. You know, the Wisconsin game you're referencing, it was incredible. He had like 185 yards on 17 carries. He averaged like 11 yards a carry. But my only question afterwards, Mac, was like, why do you only have 17 carries? Like, a bell cow to me is 20 and 25. And you know when you see a Wisconsin team, if Jonathan Taylor or, if, you know, the Iowa running back or whoever it is, if they're getting six or seven yards a carry on you, you're not going to see that play stop. Plus, it's within the structure uh-huh. of the offense to work. Like you look at a Royce Freeman at Oregon; they would ride a guy like that. Yeah. Now, maybe Central Florida, not the case, because they were kind of, you know, working with some smaller backs. But I mean, this even Div- Divino Zigbo, you know, this offense is capable of featuring a running back, and we didn't. Well, know th- it. and they're willing to run the quarterback that many times, we're literally, run, or the, the backup. The amount of times that we're running a quarterback, which I, I'm a mobile QB guy. I like the QB running in certain scenarios. Cor- you know, option. Obviously, I'm a huge option proponent. I, I don't mind the quarterback getting runs, but my God, we 
we'll get done with games where the quarterback runs for 20, but Mills gets eight. And I, I that part, I just it just doesn't make sense to me. And again, that's something that we control. Back to your point there, Chaz, about controlling what you control. We control that. Does Frost go into this offseason, re, you know, look at that over and say, okay, I, I've seen the error of my ways. I know next year how I'm going to attack it differently. Or is it going to be the the bullheaded, we're just, this is going to work and I'm going to pound this in the ground. I, I don't know. He's got a stubborn streak to him. You know, stubborn, if you're patient, <laughs> if it's working, you're just showing good patience. If, <laughs> if it's not working, you're being stubborn. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know how that works. But, sure. You know, people say, well, we don't pay a guy $5 million a year to be learning on the job, but we are. We do. When yeah. we hired him, he had two years head coaching experience, and none of it was uh, in a Power 5 conference. He is learning every game and every season. He is learning how you have to adjust to coach into this conference. And that's going to continue, just like uh, Coach Osborne did. Coach, coach Osborne had to learn, and then he looked step back, and he took all the heat, and, and all the fans were upset year after year after year with him. I can remember myself saying, "How many? We'll never. We're never going to win another championship uh, under Osborne because he just can't win the big one." We don't want to make that mistake with Scott. Scott's, uh, in my opinion, Scott's learning, but he's got the material, his coaching pedigree, and, and the background that he's got, and he's 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 a winner. He's used to winning. He's won a national championship. He expects to bring Nebraska back. That's his expectation and his determination. And he, if something's not working, he hates losing too much to stick with it. Yeah, and, and the thing that as we make those comparisons to the Osbournes and, and the previous coaches we've had, the one thing he needs right now desperately, and we've said this, we said it prior to the Purdue game when, yeah. when there were people that were thrown in the towel, we just need to win the next game. And so we beat Purdue, and, and it gives you that good feeling. Mm-hmm. Great, turn around, beat Minnesota, and just keep that good feeling. Right now we just need wins. And then what do we do? We yep. turn around in Minnesota and we and we play the way we played and and it is what it is, right? This team and it isn't even that much different. Honestly, that game wasn't that much different than any other game we played. <laughs> it just isn't. I mean, we've played to about a level every game. Two times it's been good enough to win. Yeah, and that's about it. I mean, we haven't. Ex- there hasn't been a flawless game we've had. There hasn't been a game no. where you're like we blew the doors off of anybody. We've done just enough to win two games. Yeah, and every other game we've done enough, with the exception of Ohio State. And to Il- be in the game. Well, in Illinois. The funny well, thing is, yeah, yeah. we got blown out by, by two teams this year. One of them is totally acceptable. Ohio State, everyone got it. In fact, I think most people thought we played one Ohio State. One of going to lose their coach. And the, <laughs> the other one is the worst team that we played. I mean, again, this is why the opponent doesn't matter to me right now. Exactly. No one's going to come to me and say, the reason that we're struggling is because we're in the Big Ten. Look, <laughs> we can lose to Illinois by 18 points, and they're terrible. And we can play Northwestern to a touchdown and have 400 plus yards on them and, and have stats that beat what anybody else did against them this year. And it just doesn't matter right now because we're not finishing things. We're not closing out drives. We make the mistake. We get the holding call, whether it is or not on a touchdown, we stop a drive and force a field goal. Oops. It's a targeting call. Guy gets kicked out and we extend the drive. It's just, if there's a way for us to blow it right now, it feels like we will blow it. Mm. And it just, that's the tough part. And that's something that Frost has to deal with. Frost has to deal with that. Yeah, they've learned to lose. <laughs> now they got to learn. They got to learn to finish. <laughs> we'll talk about that for a little while. Got to learn how to put teams away. And part of this really comes down to one-on-one executing and discipline. And, and you know, good things happen when you play under control. 
you know, I don't think Northwestern is the most talented team, but they develop so well and they play with such discipline. They never beat and, themselves. Uh, they don't beat themselves. And, uh, as a result, maybe that's what, maybe they get, uh, some help with the officials. I don't know what they do or not. It doesn't make any difference. Uh, what they do and other teams are able to do is they are able to overcome adversity, you know, because it's going to happen. And Husker teams over the years, that's one of the hallmarks is, is Nebraska was a team that uh, just wouldn't be beat. They could overcome adversity. That's been something that this uh, program to this point hasn't learned how to do. So we have to, that's where the patience is, is wearing thin, I'm sure, for many people. But uh, again, I just, I keep looking back at, if you're looking for simple, quick solutions to this, uh, I don't think there's going to be any. It's what, uh, there's a lot of reasons we've got to be where we are now. And there's some things that we can change and I think probably need to change or at least be addressed or looked at. But, uh, you don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't the time to start over. I well, you don't want to pay a guy $5 million a year to learn on the job and then fire the guy. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make any sense if you've done all the learning now, and you, and, and I yeah. feel like he has, because we could all point to things that have improved. You're right. Strength and conditioning, improved. Nutrition, improved. Uh, the recruiting has been solid. And there are, oh, you, I think so, too. You can, see, you can see the play in the field when it's all clicking. We're a very hard team to stop at times, and we're a very hard team to run on against at times. We're a very hard team to pass on against at times. It's just a matter of getting that all yeah. to gel. So. I get Twitter frustration, and I, I talk about this all the time. And Chaz, I know how big you are on Twitter, so I'm sure you see this as well. You cannot let Twitter be what the overarching picture of the fan base, because it just isn't. There's not enough people on there for it actually to represent it. But you do get the loudest, most complainy types out there. <laughs> but and, and I know how much they want to just react and react and react, because that's all we do anymore is we just react and we just fly off the handle. We can say whatever, whatever we want to. It, but they don't want to take the time to go, but I did see this, and this was good. It's like, well, but that's not good enough because $5 million a year. I'm like, well, then I can't talk to you. You're, yeah. you're, not, you're not a person I can have a conversation with. And that's what I appreciate about you, Chaz. I, I know you're a guy that we can always have a conversation with. You are objective. You do bring perspective. And you bring the goods on Twitter all the time, man. I really do love all the, all the posts that you make. I, I really enjoy it. Actually, you know, that's what really helps me by doing the breakdown, the is the breakdowns, they do the talking. They bring the perspective. You know, good plays or lousy plays, you see it when you break them down like this. You see, oh, okay, I see what's going on. Here's what happened. Yep, here's where we blew it. Okay, why? This type of thing. The film doesn't lie. <laughs> and that's why, uh, you know, for me, uh, it's really helpful for not getting too, as Tom Osborne used to say, not getting too high on the highs not getting too low on the lows. If you just look at the film uh, and you can see, oh, okay, it's frustrating, all oh, get out, but okay, well, that's why this happened and this is why the things we have to learn or uh, this is why this play works, this is why it's, it's there. It just have, we just have to do it. Mm. So you see the parts and you see the potential, but the chemistry where all the parts are not quite in sync. It's like, a, you know, or the clock, the mechanisms where the gears aren't all functioning in, in sync with each other. So they all they all work, but until they're working, functioning in sync, 
so that the timing and the rhythm and the, and the tempo and the philosophy and the youth and the blocking and the fundamentals, all those things working to develop flow, develop momentum. Now you got momentum. Now you're having success. You get more success. You build success. You over, you learn to overcome adversity. All these things are things the program hasn't figured out yet. And those, it's not just, oh, we just need to change this or we just need to change the quarterback or it's just not that simple. Yeah. That's where I, where I see is that, uh, uh, we gotta step back and I hate being patient, but, uh, I think you have to be patient, uh, with Frost at the same time. I don't have any problem. As I've said before, I have no problem with accountability and holding, uh, some of these position coaches certainly need to answer for these are your positions. How are we doing and what needs to be fixed in order for this to work better? Yeah. Well, you said finish earlier. And that we need to learn to finish. And, and let's finish this up, Chaz, on a positive note. Let's talk about positives as we leave. And where have we improved? What were some areas that we've seen? And we talked about maybe some of our most improved players that we saw over the season. I'll start. I'll go to Mac. And then we'll get, we're going to give you the, the final words here, Chaz. Um, sure. For me, I go straight to the defensive line. I look at what we did in the middle of the field here. I, I see a three-man line, a 3-4 that is starting to look like it can work to me. This is the first time I can see a vision of, like, this can work. We've been really hard to run against at times, and that's been a, a really positive thing. Next for me, we've set the edge pretty well on this defense here, and that is a direct relation, I think, to bringing Dawson back as an outside linebackers coach, which goes back to your point about with the position coaches. I'm not calling to fire any one guy. I, that's, that's Frost's decision. But I will say I think it was a good move when they brought Dawson in, I think we've seen it on the field, how we've set the edge, how we've played at that outside linebacker position. I'm very impressed. And so um, I think that was a big step up, and that's a positive. And, and the last thing I'll say is I have no issue with the effort right now. There's no – I didn't see it, it us giving up in games. And, again, go back to 2017. If you want to say that we're no better than we were three years ago, watch that Minnesota game in 2017. Mac, how about you? Um, we'll start on the defensive side of the ball. I think the secondary has played pretty gosh darn good this year. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, we had two guys go out of the first game for targeting. And I and I, I think I said on the show, I figured Deontay Williams wouldn't finish maybe but three games the rest <laughs> of the year. And he did. He reined it in. And we did play smarter in the secondary. Everybody got better in the secondary. And we brought some young guys along with us. Cam Taylor Britt's a future star, I think. And the, the future's really bright back there. If I jump to the offensive side of the ball – you know, we had a lot of growing pains on the offensive line this year, but I think it's going to pay dividends next year. We have a lot of length, a lot of size, and a lot of young talent on that side of the ball. And, and they got a lot of playtime this year. For for better or for worse, they got a lot of playtime this year. So, mm-hmm. And if you're going to be good in an area on the offense, the O-line's not a bad place to start. Yeah. Chaz, how about you? You get the final words here. Okay, so here's where we start having some fun. I'm going to give you a name to keep in mind for next year. Okay. Uh, and it's on the offensive line. Keep an eye on the name. We'll listen to the name Ezra Miller. Just remember that name. Uh, that guy could play. And next year, you're going to have three young offensive linemen who are returning, who are recruited to this system that uh, have gotten now at least one, if not two years experience under their belts. Uh, going to be building the offensive line. I, I've said for many times, I've been saying that uh, Nebraska will be back when the pipeline's back. They're building the pipeline. They're getting the talent. They got to coach them. 
but they, they're building the talent there. A couple of the names, to, some names to just celebrate and enjoy. Talk about a guy that's made a huge jump. Austin Allen has made just a remarkable jump. Uh, Travis Volkolek has really improved uh, as the years. I mean, he missed some blocks early. He's the last, him, uh, those combo blocks between him and Benhart on the right side, they've made some nice combo blocks. Uh, on the defensive side, I just cannot speak highly enough about Casey Rogers. Oh, yeah. Uh, talk about a guy that's come out of uh, nowhere in terms of, Great of uh, most people's expectations. I was raving about him last spring game, uh, 2019 spring game. I thought, man, he's dominating in there. And I thought he'd play more last year, but we had so many seniors, there's no place to put him. I can't speak highly enough about Casey Rogers. Uh, and then Luke Reimer. Uh, man, when was the last time we had a linebacker playing like this? And again, we're just scratching the surface. Uh, huge improvement. I think Garrett Nelson made up. Uh, he's already way ahead of where we've had the last two or three years from that position. A more present. He's still learning and still developing, still growing. Ben Stilley, what an improvement he's, the jump he's made this year. Uh, mm-hmm. having the big guy in the middle, Darren Daniels. My gosh, what a monster he is. All these building blocks are there. There's, and I, I haven't hit all of them. You know, I didn't even, even mention uh, Wandale. I didn't mention Betts. A lot of talent out there on offense and on defense, but the chemistry has not happened yet. And so you're having them, uh, it's not being consistently used. I'm a big fan of Mills. Uh, I don't think he's a superstar. He's not, uh, but I think he's really good. Uh, I, if he's utilized right and if they can, you know, make the offense, uh, blend the offense so that all the parts are working in sync. That's the vision I see that has to happen. Uh, it still starts with, I say, getting, getting those, uh, fundamentals cleaned up. But there's a lot of talent and they're getting bigger. They're getting stronger. They're young. They're hungry. They come from winning high school programs. They want to win. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of players I, I think we can be excited about. Well, Chaz, uh, it's always tough to talk right after a loss, but it, it makes me feel better to have this conversation with you. And look, there is a lot of positive things that we can continue to look forward to. We got to stick with it. This is not. Well, this it's is not, not like re- I'm going to start rooting for another team. Well, I'm so. not going to start rooting for another team. It's also not reboot time. You know, I think the perspective that we talked about is important here. And the perspective I know that we have on this show is, is we got to stay the course with these guys. And if there's some changes that need to be made, we're confident Frost will do it. But uh, we've got the right I guy there. I imagine I was pretty happy that they stuck with the Kirk Ferentz all these years. They've had two coaches uh, since 1979. Yeah. I think that's one th- yeah. you know, one you thing know, for I they've and got going for them. We've had some experience. We've had some experience with sticking with the coach for a long time and letting them learn. That's a big thing I say is let's enjoy. Imagine Scott's going to be here for 20 plus years, and let's just assume if that's the case, that's the way I'm looking at. I'm I'm trying to look at this as. 20, 25 years down the road, what will we be saying about year three? How will we see it in then? And how we reacted then? And we'll probably say, oh, it's so frustrating. And we remember how frustrating it was. Oh, yeah. We've had experience with that. For me, that's the way I'm I'm looking at it. Yeah, I I like that. I like it. We're living through it right now, but the idea of, of being able to look at in history, when this thing is all turned around, it's so funny. I'm sure those people in 1968. 
that were signing a petition to fire Devaney. I'm sure in their mind they had all the right reasons. I'm yeah. sure I'm sure it was really rough at that moment for them, and they were living through it. But we have the benefit of looking back in history and going, wow, you guys look like a bunch of dummies. Yeah, we're building character as a fan base. Um, <laughs> I'm done, by the way. Building character. Let's start winning. Yeah. Let's start winning. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Chaz, right, let's Chaz. start winning. But, man, this was this is great. It's always fun chatting with you. And uh, we'll have to have you on again. We'll do this again. Enjoy making some salsa, buddy. It was good talking to you. <laughs> good talking to you, guys. All right. Night. A Huda Media Production.